Good morning, everybody. We're going to start this morning with a little exercise. So everybody has to form a little small group. If you're families, you could be your small group, or you could include a couple more people. You might have to turn into your chairs so that you're all in groups of four or five or whatever. And you're answering this question, what good thing or what good things have you learned from kids? And if there's kids in the group, they're answering the question, what good things have we learned from other kids, from our brothers and sisters, or from kids at school, or cousins, friends? The question we're asking is, what good thing have we learned from kids? We're going to take two minutes, so form your groups, and then we'll come back. We'll pretend we're in school, and now we're ready to be quiet again. So this will be a shorter sermon. We'll call it a brief meditation, and it will be about children centering our kids this morning. So to start with, this is a picture of Evelyn Cecilia my newest little granddaughter who was born this week. Isn't she adorable? We got one with her eyes open. We could end right now, but we're not going to. Tom and I will meet little Evie in two weeks. Evie belongs to Joshi and Christina, my second oldest, who uh, live in L.A. As a grandmother, I pretty much feel like I have died and gone to heaven. My grandkids walk on water. My kids, my oldest and his wife, were at a conference for five days last week, and our grands stayed with us during that time, and it was pretty much one long party. <laughs> We had so much fun. Um, that said, it has been a long time since I've had my five kids at home, and I forgot how much demand there is on parents and caregivers. And in this community and in this room are some of the most committed caregivers I know. And it's obvious because your kids are amazing. They're kind, they're compassionate, they're curious, they're wonderful. When we first came back after COVID, it was a slow start. It was a few people at a time, less kids because of vaccinations. We were grateful for what we had, but it was clear that what everyone missed the most was having a gazillion kids running around and bringing joy and laughter and a little bit of chaos to our morning. So as I say this, I find myself asking the question why Jesus' closest friends don't want children to take up Jesus' time. And this is the passage that Leanna quoted this morning from the Gospel of Mark. It says, then people brought little children to Jesus for Jesus to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them and Jesus said, let the little children come to me. 
And don't hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. So a bunch of adults, many of whom were grandparents, parents, aunties, and uncles, have heard about this new teacher named Jesus. Some have gone out to see him. They have heard him tell stories that allow them to question the oppressive leadership of their day that they are experiencing. And Jesus has helped them to see themselves differently, as valued, as loved by God, as pure in spirit. They've heard how Jesus heals the sick, and some of them have been healed themselves. They heard how Jesus brings joy to people who are sad, hope for people who are struggling to have enough food to eat. So they think this is such good news, this is hopeful, this is amazing. We need our kids to meet Jesus so they can experience Jesus' goodness. So we can picture the families getting the kids ready and the adults are describing how amazing Jesus is and then they arrive and the kids are shooed away. But Jesus sees something different when he looks at the children. He's like, wait, what are you doing? These kids are the reason I'm here. So our question this morning is what did the disciples miss and what did Jesus see? And we can say some things like kids represent our future, our hope lies in the next generation. So it's not necessarily valuing kids for themselves, but for what they represent. Or maybe conversely, we could say Jesus' valuing of all people would make him not want to exclude any demographic. So he wouldn't want to exclude children. Or on a completely separate note, maybe Jesus thought, listen, I spend my days with you adults, and truthfully, you're not that exciting. <laughs> the truth is, we don't know what's going on for Jesus, but we get a little help from one of the other gospel writers. In the Gospel of Matthew, the writer tells us this story. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like the little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So this story is more specific. The disciples are trying to gauge their eternal status. So it's like being on social media and obsessing about how many likes you get. Whatever plane Jesus is on, as he lives between his ultimate cosmic reality and his earthly experience, his disciples are pretty low on the how evolved is our consciousness scale. They basically want to know how to be the greatest. I remember being a part of the movement that we were at before uh, we 
just became sanctuary. And we loved that movement so much. And I desperately wanted to believe that we were the best. Like of all the evangelical movements out there, we had sort of cornered the market uh, of the Protestant movement, of Catholicism. Somehow our little movement was it, and we were special. But over time, of course, we learned that no one is special, that special. We at Sanctuary, we love us, and that's good. We should love us. We might even think we're great, amazing, like I think that, but in reality, we're just us, a group of folks who aren't that special, trying to find our way in life, trying to encounter God and experience the goodness of God. And the thing is, that's true for everyone. Even if we were at Hillsong before their little fall from grace, or a movement called Acts 29 that's across our country, or Willow Creek in Chicago, or the Southern Baptist Convention, or the Pope. It doesn't matter. Our specialness is that we are. I am me and you are you, and that's it. But that can be a tough pill to swallow, and the disciples aren't having it, and they want to know who is the greatest. And Jesus says, see these children? Get a good look at them. So we're just going to take a minute now and look around the room at the children who are present. So everybody just take a minute and look. Look at the kids who are here today who are in our midst because Jesus says, become like them or you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven, let alone be great. So we have two stories, one where the disciples say no to letting the kids come and Jesus says a resounding yes and one where Jesus says no to the disciples' greatness and tells them to become like little kids. Now, we don't know exactly what Jesus is getting at, but at the very least, Jesus is saying there's something about kids, some quality we inhabit, then we grow up and we tend to lose it. And he is saying this in response to our primal insecurity that leaves us wanting so badly to be great. So I'll just postulate two things. One, that really young children don't care about being great. They just are what they are. When my three-year-old grandson, Jerry, finds a stick when we're taking a walk, and he thinks this stick is the coolest thing he's ever seen, he's not hoping to be great. He just likes the stick. Now, it doesn't take long until that deep competitiveness arises, even in kids. But because Jerry can just love the stick, Little children can be present to their environment. They live more naturally, mindfully. Now that said, the truth is, I don't know what Jesus was referring to. I made up those two things. In both stories, Jesus leaves it vague. The one story ties everything to power and greatness, so I went a little in that direction. But what the stories invite us is exactly what we did When we started this morning, we are invited to wonder and ponder what does it mean for us to be like a little child? What does Jesus want us to see? What does he think that we used to possess? What quality 
that we don't, that's so hard for us to hold on to. What is Jesus hoping we will become? I'll close this morning by just quickly answering the question that you all answered. So my grandkids have taught me a lot. They remind me that running around a playground with them is the most fun thing in the world. They teach me that one simple acorn shows me as much about God's creation as the entire cosmos. They teach me that when I am scared, naming it and receiving comfort is always the best thing. They teach me that being serious all the time can get boring and old and dreary. They teach me that pretending and imagining are the most glorious superpowers that we have. They teach me that ideas are wonderful. My grandchildren have taught me over and over and over again that laughing for no good reason other than choosing to laugh is holy and that snuggles in the morning are the kingdom of God come near. Jesus wants the kids to come to him because Jesus wants to bless them. But Jesus understands that it is kids who bring joy and love and hope to our world, and they are literally bringing it to our world this morning. And before we move into communion, I just want to give a lot of credit to this morning to Leanna, our amazing Kids Wing director. There is nobody like Leanna. She had a dream for this to happen. She came early to set up the room. She evangelizes intergenerational experiences and constantly lifts up our children. So we are blessed to have Leanna. Thank <laughs> you.